Hello everyone, welcome to Living Life. Now in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Moses, the Pentateuch, you will see uh, this phrase, purge every evil, uh, especially from the Lord's community. And now that's the word that may sound harsh, but it's said with a purpose because you are not to negotiate anything with sin. And that tenet of legalism uh, found from the law is found also here in today's passage as Paul stresses the fact that if anything that you tolerate, the sin, it should be uh, excommunicated. It should be sent out from the community. And he says with a purpose to stress one thing, it's because the community is the body of Christ. And if, you are, uh, if you're pledging allegiance to your Lord Jesus, there's no room for tolerating sin. Who, uh, which uh, Jesus has defeated with his death and his resurrection. So in today's passage, we're going to see how Paul explains that and gives us insight on how we should deal with sin and accountability in our faith group. Let's take a look. First Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 13. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast, so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. 
Expel the wicked person from among you. So in dealing with sin, especially sexual immorality in the community, Paul is very strict and he gives exaggerated uh, decision on this matter. And this is so because if you start giving room for uh, amended understanding of uh, the legal law saying purge all evil from your community, especially sexual immorality, then you will start having um, tolerate uh, toleration. I mean, you would tolerate that sin and you will bring some instances where it could be a case where you could start to understand. But speaking about sexual immorality, especially with the context you will find everywhere in the Bible of marriage, it's about faithfulness. You cannot tolerate something that breaks that covenantal relationship, especially considering sexual relationship. In this, the problem and the issue is that uh, the man is sleeping with the father's wife. And in terms of marriage, I mean, that is sinful and that's illegal because in those days you would consider your spouse as a property of the father and something that you infringe upon that property right is illegal i mean that's that cultural context back in that day and in light of that the world not even believers when you look at that would consider it as wrong. I mean, they know that that is not right because it's father's possession and the son cannot infringe upon that property right. And if the world thinks of that, then how could the church that has a covenantal relationship, just like a marriage relationship with the Lord, how could that the community tolerate this when they see a man sleeping with the father's wife? I mean, it's a little said whether this is an actual mother or is a concubine of father. It doesn't say. But nonetheless, I mean, we as Christians and even the world consider this wrong. And then the Corinthian church is tolerating this. And in light of that, what they're doing is they're satisfied with the situation. That's why Paul criticized them. And you are proud, proud meaning that you're satisfied of your own self and your decision and your thought. And when they look at this issue and they're not just ignorant and they're okay with the situation. That's why Paul is very, very criticizing the situation. So in this, Paul iterates three things that it, the way how you should deal with it and how should uh, you examine this is by considering yourself uh, in light of your relationship with Jesus, that Jesus has total authority of everything. And second is that everybody is in corporate presence. If you're whether you're there in physical sense or in spiritual sense, everybody is there who are corporately there to be responsible for this uh, issue. So they're all together in this uh, in accountability. The third is that, nonetheless, if you are to excommunicate this person, Lord God and Jesus is in control of everything. I said in the beginning, in the first part, of that, uh, that Jesus is in total authority. Even if that person ha is excommunicated, uh, that person is still under sovereign authority of Jesus. So, in light of that, Paul can say, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. He may be expelled from the community, and he could be in the realm of Satan, which is the world, outside of the church, now not benefiting all the, the good, uh, 
good uh, fellowship they had in the church. And what would happen is that he's outside of church, but he's in the mercy of the Lord Jesus, who is in sovereign control over his life. So this all is for the benefit, not just for the church, but also for the individual who has been tolerated but now excommunicated. So in the end, what does this all uh, pertain to us who lives in a Christian community? Now I said, Paul says this in exaggerated uh, 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 bipolar extremes. Now it's like uh, he's stressing a point in the midst of his sarcastic criticism. And it's this, it's that you have to remember your relationship with Jesus. And if you are in a body that is owned by Jesus, then there is no room for tolerating anything that rebels against Jesus's lordship. Sin is one of that. And sin that tags along with all sorts of sexual immorality, uh, greediness, idolatry, slandering, drunkard, uh, drunkenness, and swindling, all that is not something that can be allowed in Jesus's body. But does that mean that everything of that we should stay away from and condemn? No, he says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. So he's not saying in a drastic sense, this world is condemned. We should remove ourselves from this world. No, he is only talking about the body of Christ, where the body members and the parts are totally in allegiance to the Lord Jesus, who is the head of the body. So in light of that, you cannot tolerate anything that attacks that lordship. Sin and sexual immorality is something that totally goes against Jesus' lordship. That's why, Jesus, uh, that's why Paul says, get that out of the community. Just cut that out of the community, the body, because that influences the entirety of the body of Christ. So we, as we look at this passage, may say, or we could be discouraged, because not all of us are perfect and holy and pure. I mean, there are people who do fall short of God's glory. And that's, that's how it's like, the Christian community. But does this mean that we should cut them off from our, of our group and say we only want to keep those who are holy and pure? And not so, because Paul is giving an exaggerated high standard so that we could look upon and examine ourselves and lead ourselves to that point because we want to grow and mature and become holy in Christ Jesus. We look at Jesus for his love and mercy, just as he stresses his coming to Corinthians, do you want me to come with the rod of discipline or love and justice and mercy? Just like that, there is room for growth. And when we look at this, if you start tolerating the sin, and that is a problem, but if you're not tolerating, but being accountable and together, if you're trying to grow before Christ, then I believe that is the work of the Holy Spirit allowing us to be sanctified, and that is great. But if you are rebelling against the Holy Spirit's movement and trying to say, let's just tolerate, it's okay, I mean, let's be merciful, and that is the very problem that the Corinthians did and faced. In light of that, Jesus would come 
just like Paul said he would come, and he would come with judgment. So please, consider and examine yourself how you stand before your Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Father Lord, be merciful, for we stand short of your mercy, uh, for your love and your glory and your holiness. But Lord, you allow us to grow and mature and consider our ways so that we could sanctify ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit. So help us, Lord, so that we could grow to your likeness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing your soul, reaching a further and stepping in closer. See,